Hi again, everybody. Stuart Gandalf here, and I am about to host another podcast with my friend Rob Klein. As you know, if you're a loyal reader slash listener, Rob has been on our show a number of times. And today, we're going to talk about his new Omnibus, which he has just created for 2018 and uh, I guess launched a couple weeks ago. And the headline is Female Healthcare Consumers 2018 National Omnibus Study Results. So welcome, Rob. Thank you, Stuart. Happy to be here. So, Rob, we have been talking here about the changes in healthcare today, and uh, we're at HCIC, the Healthcare Internet Conference. And one of the things I note really is the sophistication of the hospitals that are marketing here has just gone up uh, digitally uh, tremendously. Do you agree? Oh, absolutely. It's a, uh, the, the patient is going away and the consumer is here. Retail is learning healthcare a lot faster than healthcare is learning retail. But man, things are changing fast. The consumerization of healthcare is changing completely, which lends itself well to your topic here female healthcare consumers. So, Rob, I think what we could do is just talk about some of the really interesting findings of your topic and um, uh, organize this in any way you want to. Why don't we start off with maybe the big picture? Talk about how this uh, study came about and um, some of your methodology, and then we can take it from there. Great. Well, uh, you know, I, I firmly believe that most people want a relationship, not a transaction. And so often in healthcare, we're focused on trying to get people to do a transaction. We're doing service line marketing. You know, come do this, come do that. We're very siloed in our mentality. And people want a holistic relationship with us and that means we have to understand their needs from their perspective not push products and services on them that we want to sell and it's a, it's a that's in fact one of the presentations at the conference we're attending was all about that it's more about retention than acquisition from at least from a mentality standpoint uh, on our part is understanding what are the needs of the consumer and how do we be there as a partner as opposed to a seller and a buyer and so part of what I did with my latest omnibus if 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 folks remember from prior uh, podcast that uh, uh, every year I do a national online survey uh, among consumers I kind of jokingly call it my kitchen sink survey because every year I put in a whole bunch of different questions that uh, my clients are interested in so this year I wanted to understand what are the differences or not between men and women in in digital online searching behavior and so some things surprised me that there were differences between men and women and other places there were no differences maybe there were more likely to be differences by age so let me just kind of call out some of the the things that i learned in the uh, in my most recent omnibus uh, so let me start with on online health related information searching in general that has gone up significantly. In 2016, 62% of consumers said they, they searched online for health-related information. Uh, it was 72% this year, so a 10-point increase. Uh, what's interesting is women are significantly more likely than men to go online and search for behavior. So if you have a much higher propensity among women to be searching online for healthcare-related information, are you meeting them where they are. So are you targeting types of programs and relationship building dialogue that are appealing to, to women? The devices that they're most likely to, uh, to search on, um, women are significantly more likely than men to search on a smartphone. We all know 
today's woman is extremely busy. And when I do focus groups, they all tell me I am the household CEO. And so they're multitasking. The words I hear nowadays are, I feel rushed because I've got to be here. I've got to be there. And if I get sick, the whole house gets sick because, again, I'm the household CEO. So they're very often out and about. And so the, the, the smartphone is their, their device that bridges them with healthcare information. So again, if you do not have a mobile strategy, uh, you're missing a, a very significant potential. So Rob, yes, absolutely. In fact, one of our things that we talk about and write about a lot is the mobile searches. For when patients are looking for providers in particular, we're finding on average uh, maybe 60 to 70% are mobile searches, but I love that we're breaking that down into women versus men. As we see it all across the board, we find that more contemplated searches are oftentimes desktop or more a little bit more likely to be desktop. Less contemplated searches uh, could be more mobile, but that's an excellent, outstanding insight about women. And of course, uh, it's interesting. I'm sure some of your data, you've got some other data we're going to talk about in a moment, but as you know, women not, don't, are not only making decisions for their own health care, but for their family's health care. And I'm really curious to see some of your other insights about that too. One interesting insight where it was not gender specific, uh, 23% of consumers have used voice search for health-related um, information. And I thought that was fascinating. So we all know how new um, Amazon and Echo and, and Google Home is. Uh, it's only a year or two old, yet a quarter of consumers have already used it for voice search. What are we doing to be in the voice search space to respond to them? What's interesting is where the differences are is you might expect by age. 42% of millennials said they've used voice search, and it drops down to seniors at 5%. So if you think about it, how you are responding is very specific by age. So what are you doing to help millennials? If they're doing a voice search, what, what types of, of, of services and tools do you have available for younger people on doing a voice search? Another thing that's interesting, it, it did not differ by males and females, but it's important for us is when they're searching, the vast majority of consumers are not stopping past the top four or five search results. Very few people go past the first page. So if you're not in the top four to five or one to five searches, chances are you're invisible. Another thing that's improved significantly is uh, between 2016 and 2018 is the, the number of folks who have actually visited a hospital website. Uh, it was 29% in 2016, and it was 44% in 2018. That's a significant increase in just two years. So almost half of consumers have been to a hospital or health system website, and that does not differ by, by male or female. Um, where you have big differences are in how they end up at, at the website. Um, so you have uh, millennials are significantly more likely than their older counterparts to get to your site after a Google search. Millennials are also most likely to click on an online ad. 10% of millennials have clicked on an online ad and gone to a healthcare website. You know, Rob, what probably is part of this, I was noting earlier how much the marketing is approved from hospitals. I bet a lot of this, the increase you're seeing is just the hospitals are doing a better job of marketing themselves because they've come from, um, you know, a lot weren't even doing pay-per-click a couple of years ago. Now with the age of competition, I think they're just in the market more. 
would be a good guess, at least from my point of view. Oh, I would agree with that. We have definitely upped our game. I think it's important that we understand in healthcare, years ago when I would do focus groups, consumers would compare maybe a bad website or a bad ad in healthcare with a better website or a better ad, but also in healthcare. They'd say, well, this doctor does it better than that doctor, or this hospital does it better than this other hospital. Nowadays, we are being compared to other industries. I had a person once recently with a website survey said, how do I improve a hospital website? Go to Amazon and just do what they do. Another lady said, it's easier to do business on my bank's website than this hospital. And that's not saying much. So we are now being compared to other industries. We have to up our game significantly because consumer demands and expectations, they're no longer accepting of our excuses that we're different or we can't do that. They don't want to hear those excuses anymore. The retailization of healthcare is here and it is fully upon us. Innovation often is happening to us, not by us. We have to be more adaptive. And again, coming to all of the different healthcare conferences that I attend, I'm really seeing an uptick in creativity and not falling back on, well, this is the way we have to do it. We're, we're different in healthcare. We are understanding the retailization of healthcare and how important it is. You know, it's funny, Rob, in our seminars, I often joke that there's, you know, you've heard the old jokes about doctors being terrible business people. The word for a doctor who's bad at business is oftentimes employee today. And the word for hospitals that are not going to embrace these changes in consumerism, I would say would be acquiree, right? It's just a situation where things are becoming so competitive so fast. Uh, for those hospitals that want to control their own destiny, I would just highly recommend embracing this, not just with the website, but the entire mentality of the um, organization from everything from patient experience to operations to websites. Now, my area of expertise is clearly marketing, so I don't want to say much more about that, but certainly the marketplace is demanding it. And one other concept we talk about a lot is you know, rather than focusing on the ads, focus on the product. And that's really a key issue here is at the end of the day, they're, they're not, the ads are great, the website's great, but they just want a better product in every way. Uh, Rob, you have some interesting ins insights here too about uh, why people even came to the hospital site at all. Absolutely, the, the biggest difference between men and women, women are significantly more likely to come to your hospital or health system website to make an appointment. So they are the household schedulers. And so it's all about access and convenience for them. So in today's world, if you do not have an online scheduling system, you're already behind the eight ball. It's, it went so quickly, just like EMR went from a cool new differentiating tool to a table stake or a must have overnight. Online scheduling has already gotten that gotten there. We're such companions in arms here. <laughs> I've been preaching this now for so long. And it's funny about the online scheduling because uh, my ex my, what I have found, and your surveys are uh, confirming this, if you ask a lot of patients, what do you really want from the website when it comes to doctors and hospitals, two of the things that come up often are, I want to be able to email my doctor, I want to be able to schedule my own appointment. And if you ask the doctor, what are two things you don't want the patients to be able to do, it's set their own appointment and <laughs> email their doctor. So um, that doesn't surprise me at all but that's very interesting yeah and again and uh, i keep citing focus group examples but you really learn how people feel and think um when you when you deep 
deeply dive into their their um, reactions to different things in healthcare. And uh, recently, a lady in a, in a focus group said to me, she "said Why can I go to Open Table and schedule?" a reservation for a restaurant easily and quickly, yet I have to call and argue with my doctor's office to try to get an appointment. So again, they don't understand our excuses anymore. So those those don't work. The bottom line is today's consumer, it's, they, it's what they want, when they want it, and where they want it. That's really the three elements. And access and convenience are at the top of that list. People are busy. Again, in another focus group, let me cite one more quote. Uh, a, a person said that, doesn't my doctor understand that my time is as valuable as his? That says it all. That consumer, in their mind, they've got more skin in the game. And many times, you know, another thing when it comes to, if we think about cost, we think, oh, they only have a $5, $10 copay. We don't realize when we make them sit in the office for three hours, how many people are hourly wage and they've had to clock out to come to the doctor's office we just cost them three hours or more of wages they'll never get back again we're not putting ourselves in their shoes we're making things convenient for us so what is the proactive retail oriented relationship building doctor's office do they um, will text their patients and say we're running two hours behind I know you have a one o'clock we don't want you to miss work too much don't come till three all that's telling the patient is we care about you we understand you we get you we know you and we want to make this convenient and easy for you it sounds so simple yet it's a big miss in so many so many ways for example, some of the sessions today was very interesting. They were noticing that while some of the patients, especially older ones, uh, were and in more rural or just suburban areas, the caring was a big aspect, the ads targeting caring kinds of terms. Uh, however, for New York City and millennials, it was 100% almost about convenience. And of course, our loyal listeners will know, note that we recently interviewed Richard Park with CityMD, who's become a master of that chain about convenience. So I, again, I think it's really important to get with, uh, to understand your marketplace, what their desires are. And again, you're adapting to the market, just like Rob was saying, versus they have to fit to your model. I'd like to dovetail on what you just said, um, talking about emotion emotional attributes and, and messaging versus more of the like convenience, which is kind of an attribute or benefit. Um, to me, the emotion is what I call the because. We're convenient in our access for you because we understand you and care about you. So linking the benefit to a, what I call an emotional end state is, is critical. All the research I've done and have read about, whether it's in healthcare or not, getting that consumer to linking your brand to a, a, an emotional end state that's important to them, that's where a strong brand lives. The attributes or the features, whether it's convenience or access in the example you gave, that's what you do. The reason you do it is where you connect with that person. A strong brand has a consumer say, I love that brand. I can't live without it. They just get me. That's where a strong brand lives. How they live there is where the attributes or the features come into play. 
just got out of a session where they said exactly those words. They get me. And that's such an important, uh, that's worthy of its own uh, article or podcast or something because that really is identifying. They get me. They understand me. They're here for me. They fit me. They fit my lifestyle, which I think is really, really important. And, you know, another thing, since we're sort of just off topic for a moment here, uh, one of the things we've worked with academic medical centers in the past, and I know you have as well, and there's this perception that, well, people are going to come to us because we're an academic medical center. And while that's certainly a good, valid reason why they should, oftentimes patients just have a hard time understanding it. I'm curious, do you have any just quick insights from your past research about the whole idea of quality or academic medical center or credentials versus the soft stuff, which we talk about a lot? Oh, a- absolutely. I work with a lot of academic medical centers around the country. And I can tell you... Um, the ones that are successful are the ones that are taking their brand out to where people live, not making them come to them. So an academic medical center that is creating a primary care network, it's creating uh, ambulatory care centers, it's, it's acquiring community hospitals out where the people are. That's the big difference. Instead of making people come to you, which is convenient for you, you're going to where people are to be convenient. That's where an academic medical center can emotionally connect with people and people say, oh, they get me. They don't make me come to them. They bring the care where I want it, when I want it, and the type of care that I want. It's all about making your brand accessible as opposed to making it convenient for the caregivers, not the receivers. Uh, terrific. We talk about that all the time. It always, I think it's, you know, the sort of Deming approach to production in the past where the patient is a cog in the busy wheel of the hospital versus patient-centric, which is an old theme, but we still have to bang this drum for a while, I think, Rob, as we go forward. Let's talk about the women's participation in local outreach programs. Sure. Another question we ask folks uh, is... Uh, there are several different types of health and wellness outreach programs uh, available to residents. And um, which ones have they participated in in the past? Women are significantly more likely than men to have participated in health and wellness education and, more importantly, caregiver support and training. You know, with the, with the, the aging population, the, the, the sandwich household is growing and growing where you have parents and their children and then the grandparents are living with them. And, or even if they're not living with them, the, the, uh, especially the, the mom the, or the wife in the household is responsible for those elderly parents or potentially elderly grandparents. And so basically training and providing support to the caregiver is such a growing area that as healthcare, we need to be able to really help them. They don't need the care, but they're providing care and they're stressed out and they're tired. They don't know where to turn. So if you really want to build a relationship and not have a transaction, especially with the female household CEO, as we're calling her, help her to be a better caregiver. Give her the resources, the knowledge, the, the access, uh, the, the support group, the understanding and that, that, that she's tired. Uh, you know, and, and think outside the box. What can you do that's not a traditional healthcare service? Maybe you offer her a free, um, a free spa day on, on you. I know that may sound crazy, but it's out of the box. We have to start thinking, what do we do to truly be a caring partner, not someone always just trying to sell them something? 
Women don't want to be sold. They want to have a partner in their care. They'll decide what they want to purchase. That's great. And I think that the idea of, again, they get me. If the hospital or your hospital health system or practice, and this is the case, maybe, again, is serving the needs in maybe some unique and novel ways, the patient will come again with that concept of, they get me. They understand me. And that's where loyalty can begin. And uh, when we asked, we asked consumers how they chose their primary care physician, women were significantly more likely than men to say that a recommendation by a friend or family member. Uh, I can tell you with all the other work I've done on decision making, um, women are significantly more likely than men to have a network of friends. They talk. So if one woman in the, the circle of friends has a bad, as a doctor they don't like, the entire group of friends knows to avoid that doctor. So word of mouth is huge in, among women in their, in their social setting, whether it's, it's friends talking directly, it's friends on social network, wherever that word of mouth is one of the biggest influencers on which doctor they're going to choose. So how you treat one woman can have an impact on five or six or more um, that you might or might not get because of the relationship you've built with one woman in that group. Okay, Rob, so one last thing. Let's talk about the loyalty to a hospital. I think that's a really intriguing topic. Uh, what did you find there? Well, we found that women are significantly more likely, again, than men uh, to say that providing comfortable accommodations for the family to stay, the family is included as part of the care team. Those are two factors that were significantly more important to women than to men. So, again, for women, it's about family. Healthcare is a team sport. And how you treat that family is just as important to the household CEO, meaning the female in the household, as it is how the patient is treated. So again, look at relationship building is not just doing, doing, uh, having a good relationship with the, the female, but also how you treat the entire family. And I can tell you as an offshoot of that, I do a lot of work in the, the urgent care setting. The best way to make a, a, a mom really love your brand is a pediatric urgent care. How you treat their child in an urgent care setting can make all the difference in how they feel about your brand overall. You do a good job in that pediatric urgent care setting, you've won a friend for life because how you treat their child makes them love you or it turns them off from your brand. As always, Rob, this was fun and insightful. Uh, any other co final comments about the research or just any words of advice from all of this? I mean, you had a chance to think about women in general and uh, people that are targeting women. We've talked about a lot of things. Any summary? The bottom line, as I said when I started out, most people, especially women, want a relationship, not a transaction. So what are you doing to build that relationship, not just try to sell as many disparate products and services as you can. Relationships are long-term, they're not short-term. So as you're looking at women and targeting women with your services, look at it from a holistic standpoint. Thanks as always, Rob. I appreciate you being on our podcast today. And a note to our readers and listeners, be sure to check out the entire Omnibus, which is on our blog page.